Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Hey everybody, we're back another episode of a Forever Mighty summer show mm-hmm. um we've had a few of these off-season topics that have come up and the ducks have been uh, kind enough to fulfill us with stories so far it's been a few weeks off but uh back with eddie and jason here um big signings we uh, weren't sure we were going to be talking about anything super topical today because a lot of the big stuff already happened but then the ducks went out and signed andre kasha to a huge deal that was nice of them to do that for us um and then there's really nothing else to talk about so it's gonna be a really <laughs> quick show no, we got a lot. We got. We'll talk Kasha. We'll talk Gibson. Uh, definitely want to bring up the fact that Eddie's writing again for Pucks of a Feather. Ooh, so fancy. Know, he's getting back into the writing game. <laughs> All that free time he's got up in Canada with nothing left to do. Uh, talk Corey Promen prospect list that came out on the Athletic, and then uh, Kessler trying to throw out some punches over uh, on Twitter oh, to Ryan Johansson yeah. out against the Preds. Trying to stir the pot before the season starts. Plus, we got a shitload. Sorry for the swear word here, but <laughs> of questions. 
um, from everyone who listens, which is amazing. God, a ton does. of stuff from social media. So that's why I left halfway through last show. I know you couldn't so handle much. all the swearing. I don't know what it is about <laughs> you, but you guys, Andre Kasha, three-year deal, two point six million per, seven point eight total. Um, we were we've been waiting for this signing. We were kind of excited to see what the the Ducks were actually going to be able to work out and bring him on for. What do you guys think? Fair? Too much? Too little? Uh, Eddie, we'll let you go. Go ahead. What do you think of it? I, I think it's good. I mean, he, he kind of, like, it's tough because he's it's small, such a small sample size. He only he's only played but uh, 119 games, I think, in, in his NHL career. And his first season was a surprise. Nobody expected him to to even come up and play at all. And then last year was a huge surprise, getting 20 goals. I, I mean, if it doesn't work out, it's only 2.6 million for three years. And if it does work out, he continues to do what he did last year improve on it then it's a great deal it turns into a similar deal like Ricard Raquel has where you're looking at it and saying how the hell does this guy make that much money when he's producing you know 30 goals and 60 70 points a season so I think it's good um I, I like the term because I believe he's still an RFA after it so I can't really complain with the deal yeah exactly I mean this kind of fits into the mold that uh Bob Murray was talking about getting younger faster a little bit more skill uh Kasha is so um versatile in what he can do and at 22 i mean he's only going to be at 25 by the time this contract ends uh he, he definitely got paid for 22 year old but uh it's literally that the fact he got the to the 20 goal mark is the reason he ends up getting maybe just a little bit more than the traditional one but the fact we spanned it over three years is probably going to work out better in our benefit uh like uh, eddie said if you can expand on that or even kind of maintain 2.6 is not bad for a 20 goal scorer if he maintains that uh we hope every year it gets maybe a little bit better and it starts looking like an even better deal moving forward i mean he's putting up stupid numbers five on five especially shot raise shot location he's in the right spots at the right time you kind of can't teach that it's a knack of a goal scorer and being 22 i mean that's i mean if, if he turns into something here where he's putting up 20-plus, 20 25 goals a season. This is a extremely team, uh, team-friendly team deal. Uh, I think it's a great sign. And now, what is that? Uh, not, to, not to cut into any of the questions we have coming around, but it's kind of hard to avoid the topic. Kasha's signed. Richie's the only player not signed. What does a 10-goal-a-year score get <laughs> um, if you're holding out and you're not wanting to sign the deal with the Ducks and all of a sudden Kasha gets 2.6? I mean, you half it. For Richie, give him a mil. No, he gets 5.5 by six years like Tom Wilson. <laughs> the Tom Wilson cut. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Is that what he's going to bring up in his in his uh, uh, yeah. meetings with Murray? He's like, uh, see this guy, Tom Wilson? Yeah, it's like, oh, you see the door over there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to walk through it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what do you what do you think, Eddie? How do you feel about, the, how do you feel about that Richie situation after this Andre Kasha signing? For a guy like him, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll look at it. Uh, and again, Bob Murray's going to say the same thing Jason just said, like, get out of here. That That's not going to happen. Uh, but that's something they'll probably reference along with some other contracts where, where there's, there's always fourth liners who produce similar to Nick Ritchie that get paid more than they should. And let's be honest, Nick Ritchie probably believes he's a better player than what he's produced out there. I think he's kind of at where he's at. He's going to be a 25, 30-point guy. On a good season, he might scratch 15, and, and maybe if he figures some, some things out, he could hit 20, but I just don't think he's going to be given those opportunities anymore. And you know, any, Anything higher than Andre Kasha is too much. And I, I think you know, maybe around $2 million for two years or, or even a one-year a one contract just to kind of see 
how things are going to go for him. But I can't, I can't see anything big. I mean, it would be ridiculous to sign to anything over two and a half. Yeah, and I'd you know, be in the same boat with that. And even two million for me is kind of pushing it for a guy who pretty much is going to be your fourth or third line winger if there's injuries he gets to the third line uh so he hasn't done anything to really kind of prove it he's he's a bruiser he's a big guy uh we signed him uh, yeah we drafted him to kind of follow that same mold that the ducks had been following but we're moving in a new direction unfortunately i feel like he's going to kind of be that odd man out uh if he does sign i don't expect it long term i don't expect a big money so i would say under two uh years and under two mil uh if uh he's going to get anything at all and we'll just kind of see where it goes if uh you know they, they trade him away to somebody else i mean a guy like ryan reese is making good money Right, yeah. I and mean, wouldn't you say oh, Nick Ritchie Vegas has? has got money to burn? Apparently, but I mean, there's like there's cases around the league <laughs> yeah. that I feel Richie could point to and be like, "I'm better than these guys on the ice, they go and I team. and I can fight." Yeah. So I mean, maybe he deserves a little bit of credit. Plus, he did have a streak where I remember last season vividly, where I was ready to bash the fact that he hasn't been producing, and then he got real hot real quick with Henrik and Kasha at a certain point in the season and put up really good numbers. Yeah, a lot of secondary assists but involved in the play. So there's flashes of some brilliance for him. I don't think he's ever going to fulfill the role that he was drafted at. Yeah. And that's that's part of the thing uh, that we've talked about on the show before is, is he gets dinged a lot for being a high draft pick and not performing to that number, which is tough. Um, but there is definitely a place in the league for him. I just can't see him getting any more than Andre Kasha to start. I think that contract, as you guys just said, kind of killed his opportunity to make more than that on the Ducks, especially. So I don't think a trade is out of the question at this point for him. Yeah. Because I don't think he's going to get exactly what he wants here. But and I think there definitely is a place for him. So it's kind of I'm kind of torn in between because I like the physicality. He's kind of a bonehead sometimes in taking penalties. <laughs> he takes bad But there is a place for him on a team in a bottom six roles in a bad career. And if they can make it work with him, I'd like to keep him. But at this point, this signing kind of makes me fearful that he's not going to be on the team to, to go forward. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. It's, it's going to be tough. And some guys are kind of like late bloomers a little bit. So sometimes you almost want to like give them the benefit of the doubt, be an optimist a little bit. You know, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be that first rounder because the league has changed literally since he's been drafted. It's changed so much and away from his uh, skill set. So it's a little bit tougher to, to really kind of try and hold on to him. So, like I said, I, I feel like it, it's a very small deal and it's more like, listen, here's your last shot. Show us something. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of take it year to year and see where we go from there. Yeah, I think like I think every team kind of needs a guy like that. You know, that's why Tom Wilson got the money he did. That's why Ryan Reeves got the money he did. Is I still think you need at least like one guy like that, a guy who can fight, a guy who plays on the edge. So I, I, there's a place for him. Like there is a place for him in the Ducks lineup on the fourth line. But if he's going to try and demand more than Andre Kasha got or more money than he than he's worth – then I could see him getting traded. You know, they have a better, younger, faster version of him who at some point could be ready as early as next season. And Max Jones, as long as he you know recovers well from his thumb injury he got at development camp, then they could just say, well, if you don't want to come back for the price that works for us, then we'll just promote this guy later on in the season. He does exactly what you do, but he's a lot better. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they end up deciding on. Shout out to Ryan Reeves, by the way, telling Winnipeg Radio, uh, if you can't play hockey hungover, you probably shouldn't be in the league. Shout That's out to the guy that. you, should, you want him. determining who should be in the league is Ryan Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, obviously he's saying that as a joke-ish, yeah. Yeah. maybe. Maybe oh. maybe he is just a badass, I mean, as we know, yeah. and uh, hey, just hey. drinks his ass off and is able to play. He, uh, he, he got a couple bonus points for me. From yeah, right. I saw that. I was <laughs> like, like, oh, man. Right. I mean, I like <laughs> I, I, that I like that guy. Um, he's he's um, just, you like, I don't uh-huh. know. I like the old. Well, fighter he's got, guys his character but, too I yeah mean, he's got, and, he's that's got, the he's thing you always like yeah. too you always like when there's uh someone's a little uh you know out of the box uh you know uh um, flamboyant character or some, someone like says something like that not that's, afraid that's to speak fun. up afraid to say something it's something i, I would that. say but i'm never going to be in the nhl so he's he's the voice of my generation <laughs> voice of the really generation. old <laughs> the really old generation i can't make it so the ducks uh signed somebody a, a little over a week ago by the name of john gibson to a ridiculously massive deal never heard of her uh yeah, right. I don't think anyone's <laughs> heard of this guy, and no one ever talks about anything other than how injury prone he is yeah, across the league. I've been guilty of it. Yeah. Uh, eight years, fifty-one point two million, six point four billion per uh, modified no trade no trade clause kicks in year three of the deal. He has another year left on his current contract, so they got him nine more years. Um, sixth in the Vesna voting this last season. I felt like he. I mean, I think you guys would say that he kind of got snubbed yeah. a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 25. <laughs> he was second in uh, goals saved above average behind Pecorine and save percentage behind Pecorine. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this deal for the Ducks, I mean, God, that's a long time for a damn goalie on your team. Nine years. Uh, but it's it's not going to break their back. And I feel like the deal is something they had to do. Um, you don't get a guy that's you know rated this high and on your team. And you drafted him. It wasn't like they had to trade a bunch of players to get him. Uh, it's he's an elite level guy, and he's been proving it. Um, and I stand corrected. I've looked into a lot of stats about him being uh, injury prone, and a lot of it was kind of like Bob Murray even told uh, Elliot Friedman that you know we're not worried about it anymore. A lot of it was conditioning. He fixed it, and then some of it we just kept him out for precautionary reasons. We're not worried about him. So with as stingy as Bob has been with his money, I feel like they wouldn't have made this deal if they would have thought his injuries would be a problem. So I think this could turn out to be a steal for anaheim as long as he remains healthy but that's the case with every player as long as they remain healthy that's you can say that for anybody so i think it's a good deal for the ducks the term was a little long but you know what he's young enough to where i think it's going to be fine i think if they sign i don't think you don't get him signed from for less than eight years right you have the option to because you're the team who drafted him you can do the eight-year deal I don't think he, I'm sure they probably wanted something like a six-year deal so that he finishes off at around 31, and you know they're not venturing into 32, 33, and kind of worrying about that. But I think it's a great deal. Uh, I, I think the injury concerns are behind him. I think he's a top five goaltender in the league currently. I, I mean, he finished in second or third behind Rene and Bobrovsky in most categories last year, and you know we did a big show about it with Paul Campbell where we talked about how John Gibson should have gotten a Vezina nomination. Of course, he didn't end up getting any finished six in the voting, which was absurd based off his numbers. I mean, we've seen stuff this summer saying how he's been one of the best goaltenders uh, since 2012-2013, and he has some of the best save percentage numbers since 1955 for a goalie through his first <laughs> 150 games. I mean, yep. the numbers speak for it is, itself, and he, you know, he only got a, a marginal... Uh, upgrade on what Connor Hellebuck got paid for, uh, and in my opinion, he, he's a lot more consistent and, and a lot better goalie at this point. And so I, I think it's a great deal for the Ducks. I think they they got some value down the road. Uh, again, as long as he stays healthy, but everything points to to that that he can. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, as the only goalie on the show, clearly the uh, only goalie on the show, I uh, I feel like I have uh, some great insight uh-huh. on on the goaltending yeah. uh, <laughs> psyche or whatever. Anyways, so um, yeah, this this guy is. They made a choice, and they made a choice uh, a couple of seasons ago uh, when they said, "All right, we're going to lose either Freddie or Gibson." to an expansion draft we're going to have to get rid of one of them our our boy is going to be gibson gibson has not proved them wrong obviously had some injury issues here and there moving you know forward but like was said he actually worked on that in the offseason and was uh, adamant about it i got injured he got injured because of his technique his technique was jumping around being a little bit more um uh dramatic in his saves where if he was technically sound he wouldn't be extending himself so bad and getting himself in such a bad spot where injuries are bound to happen so the fact that he worked on that his technique has gotten better over the seasons i've noticed that he's more in control he still has the ability to do those dramatic saves when needed but he doesn't move to that as the first uh option and so the fact that he's worked on it last season, yeah, he had some injuries, but all of them were flukes. They're just weird plays where he got ran into, sometimes by his own team, sometimes a skate clipped him. And yet, like Bob Murray said, we kept him out for precautionary reasons. So it was never the groin injury that he had been struggling with early on. So from my end of things, a 25-year-old goalie with nothing but potential in front of him. He's already, he's in my opinion, just hitting his prime. He's going to be in his prime for the next three, four, five seasons, depending on how well it keeps going. Uh, this is a great signing. There's nothing wrong with this save percentage throughout the entire NHL career. His lowest save percentage is when he played 23 games in 2014 and 15, which he split time between Anaheim and Norfolk. And that is lowest save percentage is 91.4. Everything else is pretty much 92 or higher. And that's that's amazing stats. Uh, all of his seasons in professional uh, hockey playing, whether it's minor league or uh, the actual NHL, he's never had a losing season. So he wins more games than he's going to lose. His save percentage is through the damn roof. Okay, so devil devil's <laughs> okay. advocate then. I mean, we're all sitting hit, here hit just like Come on. giving this guy Give all the Go. praises of a god. But he's... <laughs> These uh, lackluster playoff performances. I mean, a lot of detractors have come out and say that there's issues with his playoffs. Uh, he's got a 9-12 save percentage in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did get injured, and Bernier kind of screwed the Ducks there uh, in the conference finals against the Preds. But needless to say, uh, he looked like not like himself last season, I would say, also in the playoffs. I, didn't, uh-huh. I felt like... That whole team... No, he... I, I, I understand. No, right, Defense is a team game. Goalie <laughs> stops the puck. I understand how, how defense works. A defenseman... Uh, I get all the differences. Uh, his numbers don't shout at you as as elite i mean so if you want to say he's right around bobrovsky bobrovsky has the same problems come playoffs his team falls apart he falls apart in the playoffs there's a lot of talk around that it's he hasn't won a vesna hasn't won this hasn't won that hasn't done this hasn't done that i don't think trophies mean everything because obviously it's a team sport but you can do everything you want in the regular season but i mean yes you got to be money in the playoffs all right so to challenge that saying that he hasn't uh gotten the hardware he hasn't won a stanley cup he hasn't won anything right right right. he's 25 yep besides matt murray name another goalie that is uh, 25 or under who has won a stanley cup who has won a um um, a vesna trophy who has won the consmite besides matt murray there isn't a 25 year or younger goalie that's done that so to sit there and go he's got nothing he's been a starter for two two and a half seasons somewhere in there you can't really put that on him he's won nothing yet he's barely played he's goalies 
take a little while. Matt Murray is a freak and playing on a you know freak of a team. <laughs> See you, Ducks haters who aren't listening to the show. You hear that? <laughs> yeah. So so uh, I mean, it does not happen that often. Look at how great Holpe is. Look how great Carey Price is. Still never won a cup. You're gonna sit there and hold that over him. He's getting paid ten, eleven uh, I, million I dollars. That dude down a couple pegs after the <laughs> high, high godly yeah. ranking we gave him a season ago. So and then even if you want to even put in Bravovsky on there, the the difference between Gibson, in my opinion, Bravovsky. When I watch Bravovsky play in the playoffs, he's different. He's more in the regular season. He's in control. He he makes those dramatic saves. He seems more desperate in the playoffs when I watch him play, and it doesn't pan out too well. Gibson, at least in the last uh, against uh, you know San Jose, he was in control. He did everything he could. That team played like crap in front of him. The Sharks yeah. capitalized on him, and everyone was kind of like left open to just pick apart John Gibson. Uh, you know, at some point they're going to start going in, and also at the other side of it, uh, uh, Martin Jones was playing unbelievable. He was getting super lucky in a lot of stuff where the Ducks are a little bit snake bitten. But at the same time, I just I can't compare the two. Although they haven't had playoff success, I think Gibson is poised to take that next step. And I think that giving him eight years after this next year is just gold for the Ducks. Yeah, we don't really have a lot to work with in the playoffs for him either. Like You've got the really, really crappy playoffs from last year, and then you've got the long run that they made the year before that, and that's pretty much it. I mean, he had two playoff appearances the season before that and like four way back in his uh, rookie season with the Ducks. So there's not a ton to work with, and I, I think you know maybe we can evaluate his playoff experience and his performance a little bit more based on maybe how they do this year and the year after that. And if he's still struggling, then maybe you can start to say – He's a guy who struggles in the playoffs. I mean, with Bobrovsky, we have a, a little bit of a bigger sample size. Same goes with guys like Rene and others. So I think we kind of got to give him a little bit more leeway with that because we haven't really seen a lot of it. And, and as we've already said, I mean, last year's playoffs, everybody was bad. And John Gibson pretty much did everything he could. So, I, I mean, you really can't blame it on him. So I think we just need a little bit more time to see if his playoff struggles are real or not. All right, let's uh, let's get on to a topic of discussion that kind of center around, centers around a guy who's signed, but yet to be talked about to be re-signed. Eddie, as we kind of indicated at the beginning of the show, or we said the show, is that uh, you now write for Pucks of a Feather. Um, you did an article about uh, Jakob Silverberg moments after <laughs> Eric oh, Stevens of The Athletic decided <laughs> to do and release his article on Jakob Silverberg, or Jakob Silverberg, however you, however you want to call him. Who cares? Um how do you feel about it, uh, about Eric Stevens, you know, ruining your day like that, first of all? <laughs> I know. And, and second of all, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the article? Yeah, so, I, you know, it was in the works for a little bit, and uh, I was about halfway done, and then I got a nice notification because I've pinned Eric Stevens' tweets on Twitter for notification. And it comes through saying that uh, he's put an article on, on Jakob Silverberg, which is pretty much the exact same topic that I had. I, I, obviously, the article's been reworked a little bit now, so it's not exactly the same as what Eric was putting out. But, yeah, it kind of deflated my tires a bit. It was my first article <laughs> in, in, in about four or five years, and and Eric uh, beats me to it. I mean, he's, his is obviously a lot better than mine. But, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, his was about what the how – Jakob Silverberg is going to affect the Ducks' cap situation moving forward if they ended up re-signing him. Uh, and I changed mine to kind of look at a little bit more on what they could get for him, where he could go, uh, and if they could kind of work it into their system with the, with the contracts coming in, of course, for John Gibson, which I don't think it had been confirmed at that point, or maybe it had, and then Andre Kasha, who obviously signed today, and then Nick Ritchie. 
So it, it, it's interesting because we, we had some comments from Bob Murray at the season ticket holder event where he said he's trying to work things out with Jakob Silverberg. He also mentioned Adam Henrique, who's, of course, already signed an extension. And then he also said he doesn't want to lose him for nothing. And, you know, he mentioned guys like uh, like Bilexi and, and, and others. And we rem- obviously remember when he dealt Kyle Palmieri to the Devils to not lose Kyle Palmieri for nothing and got a decent return there. So it, it, it's an interesting spot because I don't think they really move him now. Uh, but the question becomes is when is it too late? Because, you know, if they're a good team at the deadline, you don't want to give away a player who's, who's being productive and is a part of your top six. But you also don't want to lose him for nothing. So it's an interesting situation because you would expect he's going to get a raise. Maybe not a massive raise, but maybe around four, four and a half. Uh, and, and with not much money coming off the books and a lot of extensions kicking in next season, there really isn't a lot of room. After Nick Ritchie gets signed, that's pretty much the cap that the Ducks are going to have and then add on whatever the salary cap goes up. So they're going to be in a tough spot if they want to bring him back. So uh, how do you feel about... Um... The idea that Bob said he's going to move him to his off wing. I know that's something you talked about in your article, but I mean, do you really feel like it's going to be a major deal for him? Just because I don't really feel like there is, like with their top nine, they kind of interchange who's on the ice, like or interchange who they're going to play based on who's on the ice of the other team. I don't really feel outside of Gaslov's line that there's a top line. Do you feel the same way or how do you, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I kind of get it. I think he's done it before and I don't think it's a huge thing. I, I think it's more so that. Corey Perry, uh, Andre Kasha, and Patrick Eves aren't as comf- comfortable moving over to the left side as Jakob Silverberg would be. So it, it's kind of just an easy transition to move him to the left and keep him in the top six because after Ricard Raquel on left wing, there really isn't anything. You've got Nick Ritchie. You've got maybe Brian Gibbons if they want to move him to the left wing. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I, I mean, all the options right now on right wing for the Ducks, so you might as well move him over there and keep a skilled player in your top six and work things out from there. And, of course, that means bumping Andre, uh, Andrew Cogliano down to the third line, but I think we would all agree Silverberg's a, a more skilled player and probably more deserving to be in the top six than Cogliano is. So I think that's the logic behind it. It makes sense. Uh, I mean, I think he he released or the Athletic released some projected lineups where they had him on the left of Adam Henrique and Corey Perry or Andre Kasha was up there as well. So, you know, it kind of spreads it around a bit. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it opens up an interesting possibility for him because I think a guy with a shot like that and you put him on his off wing, he's going to get a lot of chances to shoot the puck and get some one-timers. So I think that's an interesting spot for, for him to be in if he stays there long-term. Uh, and then that does kind of spread the wealth throughout the lineup. Like you said, you've really got the first line with Getzlaff Raquel and probably Patrick Eves, and then after that, you've got really two second lines, and then depending on what the fourth line is going from there. So I, I think it pro- provides them with a, a little bit of different opportunities moving up up front. Yeah, uh, wasn't it just like, I feel like it was like a year or two ago that it, we were talking about, like, there's no depth after Corey Perry on, on the right wing, and then all of a sudden, yeah. like, Eves is there and Kosh is there, and now all of a sudden, all right, now we're overloaded on the right wing. We need to start pushing people to the left. But, uh, I mean... I, at least we can all agree that really Eric Stevens is kind of a dick for doing what he did to you. <laughs> at least we can all agree on that. What, what would a trade look like for Silverberg before we wrap up this segment on him? I kind of want to get an idea from you guys. Um, what would that even look like for the Ducks? Because I don't, I don't really feel like they could get a ton for him. It's going to be, and they don't want a ton, right? They were trying to clear cap at this point. I feel like, yeah, and they want they want to go a little bit younger and quicker. And uh, Silverberg is is good. The the one thing, yeah, that 
Murray likes to do is he likes to see where he's at and you know, he kind of takes it almost like a, a quarter of a season at a time. So at, at the quarter season mark, he'll probably evaluate where everyone is now. Silverberg, uh, you know, less than impressive last year, uh, but that could just be a fluke. He is 27, I believe. Yeah, he's 27. Yep. So, but he's in a contract year, and a lot of times contract years all of a sudden brings out the best in people. And so, uh, I think he'll kind of give it that first, you know, 20 games, see see where he's at, see what he's getting, and see that that's what he likes. And if he doesn't think that it's something he's going to really want to invest another pay increase for Silverberg, he may start to look for trades. He does trades in November and December and January. He doesn't really kind of wait around to the trade deadline for the most part. Anaheim's usually pretty pretty off the uh, radar when uh, we get to that point. So he usually tries to make that trade somewhere in the the second quarter of the season. So it'll be kind of interesting, but I, I feel like they're not if he's not producing, that's when they're going to try and move him. If he's not producing and that's a year and a half or so of him not producing very well, the return's not going to be much other than draft picks. I would think uh, to kind of create room for maybe another trade where they can bring in a little bit more um, uh, salary in on maybe another skill player down the road. So I think they get more assets than they do an impact player. And I think at that point you, you should know at least if the AHL, uh, it's too easy for guys like Sam Steele and Troy Terry, and, and maybe if Max Jones is back by that point, and then you have an option to promote from within, which makes it a lot easier to move Jakob Silverberg. I, I mean, the value in him, I don't think necessarily is in his points. Of course, we've waited for him so long to be like a, a, 20, a consistent 20, 30 goal scorer. And at this point at 27, I don't think we can really expect that anymore. I think his value more so comes in the fact that he's one of the most reliable defensive forwards for the Ducks outside of Ryan Kessler. And, of course, if Ryan Kessler can't play or can't be at 100% this year, then he is the Ducks' most reliable defensive forward. So I think that's what makes it difficult to move Silverberg. But if Troy Terry or Sam Steele forces Bob Murray's hand, the only piece he can really move to make room in the lineup is Jakob Silverberg, especially if he's already re-signed Nick Ritchie at this point to a new contract and hasn't moved him out. You know, maybe you can drop Carter Rowney or Brian Gibbons from the lineup, but if you want to inject a Steele or a Terry into the top six, the easy option is to move Silverberg out the door. Now, speaking of that, do you think he's the only person that could get moved out, or do you think a guy like Cogliano could get could get moved off too? I mean, if if Murray decides to sign Jakob Silverberg, and then he's still going to move cap, there could be a situation here where we see Cogliano leave. Cogliano makes a little over $3 million. Um, is that worth subtracting his defensiveness and his penalty kill uh, expertise on the Ducks in order to create cap, or would you rather move a guy like Silverberg? He also has a, a modified no-trade clause, yeah, too. True. Yep. So it makes it a little uh, bit more difficult. You could, uh, but again, yeah, I think the modified no-trade clause... Fans would riot. <laughs> they would, but I think yeah. Silverberg's more valuable defensively than Cogliano is. If, I mean, we of course, we see Cogliano on the penalty kill all the time, and, and you know the shorthanded goals and the breakaways and, and just the speed... Kind of, I think it makes everybody think he's a lot more valuable defensively than than he is. If you're comparing him with Jakob Silverberg, I still think Cogliano is a great defensive forward. But when you look at the numbers, Silverberg is the best defensive forward the Ducks have outside of Ryan Kessler. Then I think Cogliano comes third after that. So if I had the option to move one or the other, I would probably move Andrew Cogliano instead of Jakob Silverberg. I just don't think it happens because I don't think he wants to leave, and I don't think that's something, especially just after signing the the extension just not too long ago that I don't think that's something to even ask him to do. 
Yeah, it's not a good look for a team to sign players and then trade them. Well, that happens though. A sign and trade has yeah. they don't happen often. But 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 I, I would think from like if you're, I mean you're, you're talking about you know personalities. But if if someone looks and goes like, well, listen, they they'll sign this guy, make it look like oh good, he's he's solidified, he's going to be there, and then they trade him immediately. That can scare away potential free agents mm-hmm. that are maybe going like, well. I don't know, you know, if they find something better and I'm just the flavor of the the week or whatever, then I get traded. Then, you know, it may not be a place I really want to go to if they're not willing to to commit to keeping players there. Well, let's talk about prospects then, because that we just kind of touched those a little bit when talking about, you know, a, a replacement for Jacob Silverberg or anybody in the Ducks lineup at the bottom six. There's plenty to look at because the Ducks brought in some one year contracts or some lower profile guys to fill the needs for speed, I guess, as Maria talked about. But Corey Pronman, go back to the athletic. It's a uh, very common topic on our podcast because if you guys don't have an athletic subscription, I can't tell you enough how important it is because <laughs> all the best writing is there, um, especially for the Ducks. It's amazing now that they have all these articles for the Ducks. Uh, Corey Pronman did a did like basically the farm teams and prospect pool ranking as a prospect power like, po- like was it power house power rankings? There you go. <laughs> Put the Ducks at 24th. I'm sure that irritated Ducks fans, and it probably made us all realize that our team probably depth-wise isn't as amazing as we all thought it used to be because we always recognize all these young defensemen coming through the system and being great. Doesn't mean we don't have anybody, but the top two players that he listed are very good NHL prospects. Sam Steele, number one overall, uh, and Troy Terry, number two. We've already seen Terry in the NHL for really, really brief. I think he played one game against yeah, Vancouver yeah. at the end of the season. He played uh, Santa against San Jose. Did he play? He didn't play in the playoffs. No, no, no. No, okay. There, there was talk of him playing, but they, they didn't make it happen. But those two guys, um, Eddie, I'll start with you, just because I know that you have a little more prospect knowledge than Jay and I do. Sorry, gentlemen. Do you kind of agree with that? <laughs> I know that I know that Promen spends his life with prospects and understands them a certain way, but I mean. It's kind of hard to argue with those two guys being at the top of the list, no? Yeah, I, I think if you had to, the way he ranks it and, and saying a guy's a very good NHL prospect, I think those are really the only two guys you could clearly say that about and put them in that category. I think Sam Steele's the easy one, and, and I guess that's probably why he has him ranked number one on here. Uh, I think he's the Ducks' best prospect by by a fair margin, and I think he's the guy who projects the highest to to maybe be a top six center on this team in the future. So, I, I I mean, that's an obvious one. I think he'll rip up the AHL this year and get a good shot at uh, playing some significant minutes with the Ducks, especially if Ryan Kessler isn't playing this year or isn't healthy to start the season. Troy Terry is the question mark for me because I still like him and I still think he deserves to be in that spot. And, and I did like what we saw from the small sample size that he played with the Ducks last year, but... I just don't know exactly what he's going to be yet. Uh, I mean, everybody looks at his big game uh, aspect to, to his to the way he plays and you know, playing in the Olympics and and at the World Juniors with the shootout and and you know even at Denver with the stuff that he did there. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's so it's kind of cliche and it's a little bit intangible to say a guy's like a big game player that he like performs in big games. Well, you know, I I, I don't know if that is enough to say that he's going to be a great player with this team. I still think he, he projects as like a third line player in the NHL. He just hasn't shown me enough consistently to prove that he is a guy that can eventually be a second line player, but I still think he's a great prospect for the ducks. And I still think he's worthy of being in there with Sam Steele as a very good NHL prospect. 
Yeah, and we had a chance to see it at the prospect thing. Um, we I, we saw Sam Steele. We also saw Troy Terry. Uh, Max Jones, I think, was injured. So yeah, he, 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 he wasn't there. Uh, the one person who stood out over everyone else was Troy Terry. Uh, the, yeah. the guy just made everyone else look like kids. Uh, he was playing with kids. <laughs> a lot of like just new draft picks and things like that. Uh, but, I mean, you could just tell the puck just stuck with him. Um, so the, the few games I saw him in the NHL, he, he looked a little outmatched size wise, but that's something that players will grow into. They'll get a little bit better. But for my money, I saw Sam Steele and I saw Troy Terry. Obviously those two are the best of the prospect pool, but I was super impressed with the way Troy Terry, every time he had it, I knew he had it. It was just on his stick and, you know, he kind of did what he wanted with it. And, uh, I was super impressed. So I, I hope Troy Terry at least gets, gets that opportunity to play a little bit more, get a little bit uh, more seasoning in the NHL and see what it takes. He's, he's got skill, he's quick, uh, he's fast, and the puck stays on his stick. So we'll see where it goes from there. But I, I'm I'm high on Troy Terry. And the only other thing I wanted to say about this <laughs> list was Max Jones ranking in at number seven, friend of the show, might I add. I know that he got hurt. You guys talked to him? Yeah, we had him on the show. You weren't here for that one, man. No, I wasn't invited. But... Uh, <laughs> kind of interesting here the way Corey Promen puts it. Very talented power forward who had major discipline problems. Um, this season he cut back on a lot of his dumb penalties, and that's one of the things that Max Jones said this last yeah. you know, few months ago. He wanted to make sure he took care of that. And he says he's got a legit – he's a legit prospect due to uh, his toolkit, but he has skepticism on how, you know, basically how he's going to perform. Um, I, I'm surprised he's a little bit down on the list just because that he's – yeah. yeah, he's below a lot of guys that I felt like he should be up higher on. Uh, especially, I, I don't know a lot about Isaac Lundstrom, and I know that he was on our show too. But he, he looked pretty dang good yeah. at um, the prospect camp as well. Yeah, yeah he was. So it would, it's kind of a bummer we didn't get a chance to see Max Jones. Hopefully, he'll be back from his injury. Eddie, you talked a little bit about it last time we did a show. Is he out for months or weeks? Yeah, I, the report that I saw said that he was out for. He's gonna be out for three months. So uh, and that was that dude. was. Backdating that a bit, that would take him into the beginning of October when he'd be ready to go. So he could be ready for the start of the season, maybe a little bit into it. But yeah, it, it sucked for him because he, he's just kind of been out with injuries for a lot of his junior career. And, and now, of course, moving into his professional career, he's been hurt with hand injuries and different injuries and suspensions. And you know, he was starting to kind of turn things around. He was getting really unlucky this year. He was getting a lot of goals, but the assists weren't coming. He talked about that in the show as well. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that show. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a, a little bit unfortunate for him. I think he deserves to be higher, but, you know, I understand why he's here because we really haven't seen enough of him because of those injuries. Um, as for, for Lindstrom, I think he's in a good spot being where he is because I think he is a legit NHL prospect. I mean, the, the two-way game is there. Whether the offense gets there or not, that's kind of the question for him. That kind of puts him at whether he's going to be a third-line center or a second-line center in the NHL is if the offense can kind of get going and that can translate to the pro game. Um, and, and then to kind of make Jason feel better, don't worry because <gasps> friend of the show, Blake McLaughlin, is also on the <laughs> list at number eight, and you got the chance to interview him. So oh, I love Blakey. So there you go. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's hop off the prospect list and talk about NHL.com's garbage list they put out. Um, <laughs> they really are terrible. We'll start with the centers. 
we talked a little bit about this pre-show, and I think we've all kind of come to the conclusion that it's great that Ryan Getzloff's being notified or uh, noted that he's a top center in the league. But at 19 out of 20, I felt that was a little low. Um, and also, the recency bias on these lists is just astounding to me. Yeah. I yeah. I get McDavid or Jason Calls, McJesus Thank is number you. one. I get Crosby. I get the very undervalued Evgeny Malkin. I don't think that guy gets enough talk about him. If you're talking about a high-end guy that kind of no one talks about because he's not Canadian. Um, <laughs> Austin Matthews at four. Nathan McKinnon at five. You're kind of like, all right, all right, he's great. Um, also had a great season that he finally finally broke out once through. Duchesne was gone, yeah. Move along the list. There's some guys here like Matthew Barzell. But the one that really stuck out to me that kind of felt like it was just a kick in the balls <laughs> was William Wild Bill. <laughs> and I like Wild Bill. There's nothing wrong with him. He got paid this summer for having a hell of a year last year in Vegas, yeah. went on the great run. Uh-huh. But what a kick of the balls to Ryan Getzloff, who was over a point a game, that was inju- had injuries. He carried the Ducks, I felt like, a lot a lot of the time, along with John Gibson this last season. Um, and to see him at 19 was a bit disappointing. Eddie, how do you feel about it? Well, it's funny because you look at, like, they have the rankings here. They have Mike and EJ's rankings. So Mike didn't have him ranked at all, and EJ had him ranked 15, and he lands in at 17. Fair enough. I mean, I, I guess whatever. And, and then okay. Ryan Getzlaff, EJ had him ranked 14th. Mike had him ranked 16th, but somehow he's at 19th. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you even look at Kachuri, who's ranked above him, Mike had him ranked at 19. EJ had him ranked at 16. So they both had them ranked lower than Ryan Getzlaff, but somehow Ryan Getzlaff is down at 19 on this list. I, I don't get it. Yeah, William Carlson, that's, I get it. He had a great season, but recency bias is high putting him even on the top 20 at all, and then having him up at 17 above Ryan Getzlaff, even above Sean Couturier, who I think you know, is questionable for this list anyway, just based off having one good offensive season. It's, it's a unique list, to say the least. And then it's just, <laughs> it's just funny in the background looking at the two <laughs> rankings and seeing how, like, how it's just weird. Like, the way they were their ranked based off like the averages of these guys' rankings makes no sense. That's that. That's the most uh, Canadian nice thing. You, you the way you put it. So it's a unique <laughs> list. As <laughs> to say, it's a it, it's a shit list. But yeah. hey, you know uh, they uh, they did what they thought they needed to do. Yeah, that that's insane. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jack Eichel, great center, often injured, uh, hasn't really you know uh, wowed anybody. Where Ryan Getzloff, year in year out, doesn't seem to matter how old he is. He just seems to dominate whatever game he's playing in, and he's always there. Carlson barely there. He's ranked ahead. Uh, Barzal is a rookie. I I'm always skeptical when it's a rookie and and trying to rank them high amongst all of this you know whatever position they're in. You rank them high after a rookie season. To me, is kind of asinine. It's just like, wow, he had one good season. That's our sample size. Hey, let's, let's see how Barzell there. does without JT uh, being top line center. Now hey, Barzell's going to be top line center. Exactly. And there's always a sophomore slump. I mean, not not in all cases, but it's just like, oh, my God, we didn't see this guy coming. We don't know how to defend him. All right, we've had a whole off season, a summer to look at the tapes, look at what he does, his tendencies. He's definitely going to be tired. And, then, we, and yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, that's the guy you need to pay attention to where he wasn't the yeah. one you had to pay attention to. Getzloff has always been a paid attention to and he still is a point per game despite injury despite working through all the stuff he has to uh, carrying Corey Perry on his shoulder <laughs> on his right shoulder as he, he sets up a fist for all the other good goal scorers so uh, yeah so it's it's crazy to me that uh, Gesloff is so ranked 
down all the way down to 19th in this list. I none of us made fun of Leon Drysaddle being on this list. Hey, he was 20. That's I don't know who 21 was. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I guess he was 21 or 22, and go like, well, yeah, they should they should beat him. <laughs> well, there's just so many guys on this list that that are too high, and some guys are too low. I mean, Getzlaff should probably be around 14. Yeah, I mean, because that's maybe a little bit lower. It's subjective, right? When you get yeah, the top course, 20, course, you're getting the but... very, very top of the crop of all the best players. So it's kind of become like, who yeah. do you like more? I get it. But some of these guys, it, you could just tell his recency bias. And that goes into the defensemen, too, the top 20 defensemen. Um, this is a Ducks show. So yeah, uh, yeah. clearly <laughs> we're going to have an opinion about this. No Ducks players ended up in the top 20 defensemen at all. Oh, I... Man. I told you guys also pre-show top five, even top six, I, I could say are fine. You got yeah. Victor Hedman, Drew Doughty, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, PK Subban, Seth Jones, Roman Yossi, a little high for my money. Um, I just, I don't feel like he holds his own as much. Not to say he's not a good defenseman, but I feel like he's a little bit high. John Carlson. I kind of feel like recency bias there on that one. Mm. Uh, the cup winner, Alex Petrangelo, always been a good defenseman, yeah, right? Consistent. I, consistent I could see him where he's at there. Yeah. But then you go down a little further on the list, you got guys like Zach Rowinski, you're kind of like, what the hell, Charlie yeah. McAvoy. You could pick and pluck guys off this list and Terry wonder why Curry. a guy like, I mean, everyone likes, it seems like most fans like Cam Fowler the best out of all defensemen on the Ducks. And a lot of teams, like fans outside the organization, see him as like the top defenseman too. I, as everyone knows, apparently ride the jock of Hampus Lindholm because I get shit on for that, <laughs> saying all these great things about him all the time. I figure he should be on this list as well. I, I would personally feel like he's like an 11 to 15 guy. You could move him up and down that list. He's just as close to Zach Wierenski, I think. I mean, I, I like Zach Wierenski. I think he's a really good player. but He's got I the offensive numbers. I mean, he only had 37 points, Zach Wierenski did. And I, I believe he played a full season. Hampus Lindholm missed a couple games here and there. I, I don't think they're far off from each other, where you have Wierenski at 12, and you don't even have Hampus Lindholm on the list. And then you've got guys like Oliver ekman Larson, who, yeah, he, he puts up the points occasionally. Didn't have a great year, still makes 15. Tory Krug makes this list. You know, Shane Gostaspear, he's a great player. Dougie Hamilton's way too low. And then you've got Charlie McAvoy in his rookie season, which is just <laughs> mental that he's even on this list. There I'm, it is again, the rookie. There's a lot of good players. That I think they got left off this list. There's some questionable ones, but I don't see like how Hampus Lindholm doesn't make this. And it, it, to me, it, it's either Ducks fans or the analytics guys who really like, really like Hampus Lindholm, and nobody else really even notices him. You know, I can understand maybe leaving Cam Fowler off the list because I think it'd be pretty close. He's probably top 25, top 30. But I don't see how you leave Hampus Lindholm off this list, especially the season he had. I mean, we talked about this before. The the, the goals that he had put him near the top. The the points that he had were, were great for him, and he missed a couple games. And you, know, you look at the points per game he had, he was up near that second tier, a defenseman obviously behind like the top guys like Dowdy and Burns and Carlson who put up insane points. He was right kind of sitting around the other guys. And Gustav Fair was, I believe, like a healthy scratch for a number of games this past season where he just wasn't producing, wasn't doing much. I mean, he kind of caught fire here and there. I mean, he's got flashes of brilliance. I mean, his rookie year was, you know, something to really kind of look at and go, well, that's amazing. Wierenski is kind of the same thing. Uh, yeah, and even Tory Krug, I mean, he's 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 dynamic. He's, he's got the things. But, I mean, if you're talking about defense, it just seems like if they're not producing, um, uh, you know, just holy numbers on offense – 
the defensive side of things they you know they they just seem don't to have the same weight or the value and that kind of sucks on Lindholm's end because I, I feel he's he's a very smart defenseman. He's working hard on his you know his shot and getting shots through, being a power play guy. Uh, eventually, he's going to be so loud they can't just ignore him anymore. And I feel like uh, they're maybe ignoring him just a little bit right now. Dude, we were shocked uh, talking this summer. Eddie and I were talking, and it was like, did you know Hampus Lindholm had 13 goals last season? Yeah. I was like, what? Really? Oh, yeah, and he had a hat-trick in one game with yeah. the overtime winner. Oh, yeah. and I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't as bad. Like, the stats, like, I was like, he doesn't have enough goals. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. over 10. So we'll, we'll see whenever the league decides to catch on to Hampus Lindholm and give him some recognition. Wait, I'm, well, I'm not let, saying give him a Norris. Well, I mean, but, I'm saying if he does all these goals and all these great things when they're playing East Coast teams on the road, then he'll be on the top. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's course. just uh, everyone's got to yeah. go to sleep. Eddie, you know, you're in Toronto. <laughs> everyone's got to go to sleep at some point. <laughs> Except for Eddie, he doesn't sleep. Except for Eddie. Yeah, he, except for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he actually pays attention. So we have a ton of questions on social media. But before we get to that, um, there's just a little bit of uh, an offseason nugget that Ryan Kessler decided to send us before uh, we get to all the <laughs> fan questions on social media. Ryan Kessler with his uh, street fight offering out to Ryan Johansson of the Predators. Obviously, these guys have a beef in the regular season. Johansson just can't stop letting Kessler live in his head. <laughs> as every time he gets a chance to talk about him, he talks about how much he hates him and doesn't understand how his family roots for him, all this crap. So Kessler on uh, August 5th sends out a tweet at 4.30 in the afternoon. Probably happened to have had a, a couple of cold ones. Maybe he's on, you know, on the, the golf course. on the golf course, yeah. hanging with buddies, yeah. or he's just barbecuing, or maybe, whatever. Maybe he's bowling, or maybe he's just a, he was just <laughs> sitting around going, "I'm just going to piss this dude off." And you know, yeah, you know who I hate. Maybe I should see if I still live inside this guy's head and then just send. <laughs> yeah, him. maybe yeah, yeah. I, want, I want to bring this all, this whole thing back up. So he yeah. tweets at Ryan Johansson nineteen. How's summer training going? You want to meet in the streets before we get going on the ice? And then less than three hours later, Ryan Johansson kind of did a little bit of a bitch move. He didn't at Kessler. He just tweeted back out, I'll pay for your parking. Uh, Wait, that's a bitch move? Yeah, he's supposed not to, like, why not, just, like, why not just reply back to yeah. the tweet? Or, Usually like, when you reply back, him, you reply yeah. direct. He you is. reply directly back to the guy who tweets at you. I'll, I wouldn't call it a bitch move. I, I'd call it confusing for people who are following yeah, it's just Ryan kind of it looks like a like, random, t- like a you, random tweet. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> pay for my parking. I would reply back mine too. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I got a parking ticket. You want to pay that, <laughs> Eddie? Eddie, who wins in the fight? If you had to put it in the streets, no, no, I in the streets. Uh, I would have to. I mean, you'd be want to Kessler. say you would want to say Kessler, but I don't know how good Kessler's hip is and if he can actually like get in the street fight or not. And Ryan, and Ryan Hansen's Hansen's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big yeah. kid and he's a lot younger. I, I mean. Last time they fought on the ice, Kessler won. Ryan Johansson turtled, but I feel like if it, like it went to the streets, Turtle. Johansson's probably got a little bit of an edge. I mean, like it's just funny. Like kudos to, to Kessler for literally never tweeting, and then this is like the first tweet he's had in like five months. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna mess with this dude for a little while. Everybody always says like uh, Preds fans anyway. We're like, uh, well, if you look at the video, Ryan Johansson stepped on equipment as he was going to fight and slipped. He didn't really turtle. <laughs> I don't know. Say what you want. Um, he he turtled. The, yeah, yeah, just, the, our the internet turtled. has spoken. So yeah. quiet it's, down. He may have fast. stepped on it. He still turtled. <laughs> he turtled. But I mean, obviously, this says a little bit about something with Ryan Kessler. Or at least he because he's just he's always just like the man when it comes to everything. He doesn't want to say he's going to miss time. He hates missing time. Always wants to be in tip top condition. Never wants to give up. 
Um, do you guys think he's ready to play if yeah. he's trying to get in Johansson's head? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, you know, thought to think about. I mean, why why would you try and chirp a guy you know, as hard as he is right there if you're not going to play against him? I mean, and if Ryan Kessler misses a full season, how many more years does he have left to come back, mount to come back after missing an entire season? So, I mean, that kind of adds a little bit of fire to the speculation that, you know, maybe he'll, he'll be around and be ready. But, I mean, things are so hush hush when it comes to anaheim and how players are what they're doing so the fact we even got a tweet is amazing <laughs> i'm sure he probably got in trouble for it too i i could see it. I, I think he i think he wouldn't tweet it if he wasn't thinking about coming back i, I mean i think it's a little bit of a stretch to say you know he tweeted out that he wants to fight brian Kessler or ryan Johansson in the street yeah. Or like meet him before the, they get started on the ice is a little bit of a stretch to say that he's a hundred percent ready. Uh, I, I think if he misses time, it's probably not the whole season because I, again, I feel like he wouldn't put it out there saying he's essentially going to play if he wasn't. Um, I still think he could miss some time, but yeah, I, I think it, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's ready to go. I mean, we all hope he is, and, and the best part would be if he's ready to go against the against Nashville to see how this <laughs> how this all unfolds. And if he yeah. actually ends up fighting him on the ice or not. <laughs> well, we know one Ryan will cave. But uh, when is the first time they actually Ooh. play each other? That would that would, that would be something I would uh, mark on my calendar is uh, the Kessler return. Return of that. the Kessler. I should do that. Better. Let's find out right now. Kessler return. All right. Well, it, when we're we looking time. for that, I, I have a, what's <laughs> worse, paying a turtle $8 million or paying a at $5.5 million? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, was that yeah. your tweet? Oh, he's so clever. No, I didn't even tweet that out. I was just wondering. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> just like because I put out tweet. like I put something out um, after the Ryan Hansen thing because I went and looked at like his whole profile and like on Cap Friendly and I couldn't believe that they were paying him eight million dollars. And then I got like a bunch of Preds fans who got like really upset, and they were bringing up Ryan Kessler's contract. I was like, you know, I know Ryan Kessler's contract is bad, but it doesn't excuse the fact that Ryan O'Hanson's contract is pretty pretty bad, uh, bad as well. I mean, yeah. he's a sixty point guy, and you're paying him eight million dollars. Yeah, that is a lot for a sixty point guy. But yeah. they meet they meet on the twelfth of November and the twenty fifth. So home in Anaheim first, and then away in Nashville. Twenty fifth around uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's going to be a good American one. Thanksgiving. Yeah, American Thanksgiving. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The one, you guys give the thanks one that, on a different the one day. that counts. <laughs> when is the, the actual Thanksgiving? Is it 22nd? Yep. Uh, nah, whatever. It doesn't matter. So know. they're, they're going to fight know. one of those two know. games, I, I would assume. <laughs> I mean, Kessler's probably shooting for end of November. Yeah. Probably return, maybe. I would feel like he's going to miss it for a couple of months. I think he'd do it at home if he could. Oh, yeah. But he loves he loves to rile up the home fans. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, or the I'll do it either way. Fans of the arenas. He doesn't care. Yeah, with all the money Ryan Kessler's making, he's now got rent in Ryan Johansson's head. Easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he can all afford right. it. Let's and move he doesn't on. Have to pay to... for parking. Yeah. At all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the fan questions before we wrap the show. Eddie, do you want to kick them off? You have them up? Uh, yeah, I have them up. Uh, we had a bunch. I, 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 this is what I don't get. During the regular season, we can't get any. And we're in, like, late August, and we have, like, 15 questions. I'm sorry, are you yelling at our fans who are asking questions right now? Are you belittling them? Well, like, half of them got cut off because they're all asking about Andre Cash and, like, literally two hours later. Yeah, no, they like two hours later. <laughs> all right, so we'll, we'll go with uh, – start with Reddit here. 
Uh, so we had a guy named a pig named Algie on Reddit. Uh, <laughs> All right, wants, I love him. <laughs> wants to know what teams would be suitors for a potential Silverberg trade. I'll let you take that one, Eddie. You wrote about him. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I think the Devils could be another option. The Ducks have kind of gone there a lot lately with Cal Palmieri. They went there with Stefan Nason, sort of, in a way. Um, and they also went there as well with Sammy Vaughn and Adam Henrique. And I think he could work there because, obviously, after seeing what Taylor Hall did by himself last year, they're kind of in need of some more goal scoring. And they didn't really do anything. They just lost Pat Maroon and kind of hoping that some of the younger guys will step up and do something. So I can see maybe something like that happening. Uh, the other team, I think, could be Florida because I think they're they're kind of going for it this year. They brought in Mike Hoffman. They've got, obviously, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, and Vincent Trocek, and I think Jakob Silver kind of fills out their top nine. So if I had to pick two teams kind of off the top of my head, I think those could be potential options. And they're moving out east, so you don't have to deal with Silver being in the west. Yeah, and I, I feel uh, on that uh, east coast trend, uh, and uh, also uh, Duck's uh, frequent trade partner tends to be Toronto, too. And uh, for a team that doesn't have a whole lot of great defensive uh, prospects or uh, players necessarily, they could probably use a forward that is reliable defensively. And they've got a lot of assets offensively that could probably help the Ducks out in the immediate. And then also Silverberg gives them at least a little bit of defensive uh, prowess from a forward perspective that can't immediately uh, fix their defensive side of things. So, I mean, I feel like there might be a one-for-one a, a one trade that could potentially happen with Toronto, I would think. And then, once again, it goes into that. We don't have to play them that often unless we meet in the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know. I think that he would probably fit in great on um, – let me just pick a random team in the East Coast because I don't know they're not going to trade <laughs> in the West. To, I don't really know where they would trade him because I feel it's like tough. I, it's tough to pin a guy's value. I just think they're going to trade whoever's going to the, the, top the of most head, value. Like, yeah, and I'm not really thinking about yeah. it, yeah. I, have to he's, know just gonna, he's just going to get picks back. Yeah. I, I, it's not going to be some blockbuster deal we're looking to, to bring in another player that's going to put up better numbers than Silverberg. If we were going to do that, we wouldn't be worried about cap space, right? We would just give them some money. But I I feel like they need to do it sooner rather than later. I mean, but that's not Bob's way. Bob's going to ride this out to the trade deadline and see what Silverberg puts up. I don't feel like he's going to let him, you know, over trade him in October. He's not putting up goals. And he's just going to run it to the trade deadline. That's Bobby's way. All right. Well, Pat's wrong. So uh, what's the next question there? (laughs) So Norma Gusta (laughs) on Reddit uh, asks, who's your favorite Anaheim Duck and why is it John Gibson? Because <laughs> I'm a goalie. <laughs> hey, go ahead, take it away. Uh, yeah, no, uh, let's see, uh, current? Uh, I don't know. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of no, that's current. So I would assume well, it's, it's current. It would say all time. I mean, it's implied. So, yeah, so all time I would, I would. man, that's tough. I, I, I'd have to go with Korea. My gut says Korea, but I also love Salani, so I mean, it's a, yeah, A1, AB, you know, whatever. Uh, A B A two, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, my favorite Ducks player on the current roster eh, it's Getzloff in my opinion. Uh, you know I I love Gibson uh, because I'm a goalie. I love the way he plays goalie. It's all that fun stuff. But uh, Getzloff does kind of everything. Uh, not only is he in my opinion a really good leader in the locker room, he gets people. I mean, it's a fun locker room. Everyone who comes over goes like, man. I love this place. I want to stay here. That the locker room vibe is great. The weather's great. This guy is, you know, um, from uh, 
Eddie's territory in Canada. Uh, but I mean, he's made a home here. He's funny. He's uh, charismatic. Uh, it's just kind of everything you want. He produces on the ice. He's leadership. Uh, he'll fight. He'll score. He'll. He's not uh, a puck hog. He'll. He'll dish the puck. I mean, he's just an awesome guy. <laughs> oh, you like I, his double star rockets? Him? Yeah, man. You've that been, you've been really just all over these Ducks players lately, man. Oh my god. Yeah, like I say, I'm a love. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no. As far as uh, Gesloff goes, I mean, yeah, uh, you can't beat that double snot rocket until someone does a triple snot rocket where he goes left, right, left again. Uh, there's no one better in the or game. Or two doubles. There two. Ooh, do 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 do. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you do a quadruple. That's a, a quad. That's a lot of snot, it's man. Just a machine, well, yeah. if there's anyone. There's anyone. It's Gesloff who can do it. What about you, Eddie? My favorite player right now. Yeah, right now. Uh, I've I've always I gotta stick with who I've always said. I've always said Corey Perry because he came up, played through London, and it helped me with that transition to kind of still keep watching the Ducks when I was a kid because he came from playing in London, one of my favorite players in London, then moved up to the Ducks. So I I gotta stick with that. As much hate as he still gets now, he's still one of my favorite <laughs> players to watch. And I remember the good days when in '05 when they were just dominant in London and winning Memorial Cups. Yeah, for me, it's it's Getzloff too. Uh, it's it's Getzloff and Lindholm. Those are my two favorite guys to watch on the ice. Um, Getzloff is just the he's he's like a, a dying breed. You don't see a lot of uh, power forwards that play the way he plays. Um, a lot of young guys coming up aren't as big and nasty. He's got a mean streak, which is what I really like about it. He has no problem standing up in, in scrums or throwing punches or getting mixed up. I and mean, even saw him throw a stupid punch at Chara. And Chara was like, are you kidding me? He probably instantly regretted that. But, I mean, he's a big dude himself. He's 6'4". Um, and he plays that kind of game that I like to watch. And he can still put the puck in the back of the net. And he's also one of the best, you know, one of the best visions in the game. And also probably one of the top five six passers in the game still so he's fun to watch he's definitely my favorite player to watch yeah for for sure can't can't say enough good things we should we should get him on the show yeah we should be pretty easy. yeah we eddie get him. On, we struck out on ryan kessler so <laughs> i don't think uh, it's gonna notable like mansions i i do like kessler too uh but i mean another thing with i guess off real quick before you know uh finish off on that uh, but uh he uh that there's something to be said about someone that sticks with the team there's a team captain from draft to Stanley Cup, to I'm going to stay here, commit long-term, and I'm here and still producing at 33 years old. I mean, there's something to say. There's not a lot of players that stick out that long on one team. Even Mark Messier, which you can kind of liken Getzloff to Mark Messier in just their leadership they're role. Bald. And they're bald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they <laughs> and they both have the main streak, and they both can do that sort of deal. But even Mark Messier you know, jumped around on teams, and they're bald. Yeah, well-known as, well as a Canuck. <laughs> Mark Messier. Yes, right. Let's hop over to Facebook. <laughs> Jason Gray says, what position needs most oh, help for all the local teams? I'm going to say local teams as in Ducks and Kings. Kings? I, not, would, I wouldn't reach goals. out to the rest. Like, yeah, I, I, between Ducks and Kings. If you had to talk about the Kings for a minute, uh, yeah. very briefly, because this is a Ducks podcast. Yeah, Jason. Um, obviously, they need more scoring is probably where I would put the pen there for them. as the easy target. They got Kovalchuk. Um, he's a little bit up there in age, but um, the we'll see what contract. he's able to put up. Um, I would definitely say depth scoring would be, would need to be needed for the Kings. Yeah, for for the most part, I mean they're solidified in uh, goaltending. Their defense is, uh, you know, they got Drew Doughty for the foreseeable future here. Um, it's nice to see uh, Dustin Brown actually rebound because I felt like that was their their biggest drawback was 
crap, that contract's going to suck for a really, really long time. Everyone pretty much had a great season last year. We've had a bad year the year before. Yeah, exactly. So Toffoli needs to kind of maybe step his game up a little bit and a little secondary scoring here, there. So it, they're kind of in the same realm as the Ducks. They just they, they need to – the big guys have to produce, and also they have to get that secondary scoring. Eddie? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think it's the same for both teams is they both kind of need a little bit of help in scoring. Some guys need to step up, like you said, for the Kings, Tanner Pearson and Tyler Foley kind of need to step up a bit. Jeff Carter needs to be healthy and play a full season. And, and for the Ducks, they need Ricardo Keller to do what he does. Patrick Eves coming back. They need Jakob Silver to have a good year. You know, Adam Henrique, Andre Kasha needs to take steps forward as well. Some of the young guys need to step up. So they, they all kind of need help from within and then possibly looking at maybe adding another piece at the deadline to help with secondary scoring. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the big question from a buddy of ours, David Rodriguez, Rodriguez on Facebook. He says, for each of you, your opinion on what the opening night lineups will be, and if different, what do you think they should be to give the Ducks the most success? <laughs> Jesus, David, Even include any <laughs> possible trade slash injuries that might happen to open up your roster, up, open up roster spots. I'll take that one head on first. Jesus. Um, I feel like you're just going to see a lot of what we saw at the end of, or rather the very beginning of last season, um, or even the end of the prior season, when you're looking at Patrick Eves playing on the top one with Ryan Getzloff or Card Raquel. Uh, you're going to see the shutdown line put together still as long as you see Ryan Kessler come back. And then I don't, unless they get rid of Nick Ritchie, you're going to see him slot in with Adam Henrique and Andre Kasha. I think the difference that we might be able to see here is a Troy Terry coming into the lineup. Um, we want to see what Sam Steele's going to do come training camp. But it's going to be real tough to break through that top nine because Bob Murray generally likes to play what he's comfortable with and those pieces of what he's going to give Randy Carlisle, and they're both very like-minded. And Bob Murray made that very apparent this summer. If you don't like what us or what I and the coaching staff have come together with with playing younger, faster, get faster somehow – he can say that all he wants, but I, I really feel like he's just kind of still old school and wants to play the guys he knows what you're going to get from every single night. That's just the mentality of Randy Carlisle. And to this point, Bob Murray, he could change. This whole thing could be different come starting lineup time in October, but they're not going to move ease anywhere else. He's going to play in the top line. He's going to bump Corey Perry down somewhere else. And that might be on the third line where maybe Nick Ritchie's not going to sign and then you're going to see Perry on the third line. But that's the only major change I could see happening unless, unless you want to mix in a prospect on the fourth line. What about you, Eddie? I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit different. Just kind of what he said um, in, at the season ticket holder event where they're going to move Silverberg to the left side. I think that's going to happen no matter what. And I think that opens up a little bit uh, of different possibilities. That kind of breaks up the shutdown line no matter if Kessler's in the lineup or not. And honestly, I, I think the top line is, is going to be Getzlaff, uh, Raquel, and Eves no matter what. I think that's the, the obvious one. I think that's going to be the, the, the easy go-to option for them. But I, I think Silverberg is on that second line left wing. And I think Adam Henrique takes a step forward. And then either Kasha and pa- or, or Perry are playing on the, the right wing for the second line. And then you take whoever's not there, you put them on the third line, and then you've got Kessler and Cogliano on there. So I think they shake things up a bit. Then, of course, you've got, like, Richie, Gibbons, Rowney, or whoever on the fourth line, whoever you kind of want to throw in there. And then you let the kids start in San Diego, and then, you know, you take things as they go, see how they do down in the AHL and and how guys are doing up. But I think the second and third line kind of get a shake-up a bit. If Henrique – I mean, if Kessler's injured, I mean, Henrique's playing second C, right? I think he plays second C no matter what. Wow. 
Yeah. You think you, even with uh, Kessler coming back, they demote him down a third? I, I mean, they're, they're essentially 2A, 2B, right? They're, they're going to play probably both around 13, 14 minutes a night. Getzlaff and, and Raquel and Eves are going to probably play about 16, 17. Uh, and then you, you maybe bump up some guys' numbers for power play here and there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think... Henrique is is the two A and Kessler is the two B. No matter if he's he's healthy or not to start, and I just think that's the the way they're going to go. And I think it's going to be Silverberg with Henrique at least to start, and Cogliano and Kessler still together. And then you just split up uh, Cash and Perry, whoever you want to, to have on that second or third line. Well, as far as uh, Henrique and uh, Kessler, I mean, bless your heart for. Uh, for thinking that way i mean obviously <laughs> i think everyone else would agree with you in the most part that henrique is probably just that much a little bit better than what kessler is going to probably bring this upcoming season uh but unfortunately carlisle is a creature of comfort there's a lot of c words right there <laughs> uh so i feel he's going to go with what he might know best and he knows what he's going to get out of a shutdown center so if Kessler is healthy. You'll see him on the second line, and Henrique will still be on that third line. Uh, yes, interchangeable at some points, and especially if you know there's a little bit of a lag on what uh, Kessler is doing on the second line. You can see Henrique slot in there. He's very versatile in that way. He can play shutdown. He can play offensive. Uh, you know, but you know, for my my money, depending on exactly how Kessler shows up, that shutdown line that the Ducks fans are used to with Cogs. Silverberg and Kessler, in my opinion, that 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 stuff's pretty much demolished. Uh, I don't see that line really being intact uh, moving forward for the most part, mostly because we don't know what Kessler's going to bring, uh, and we're not quite sure what Silverberg's going to be doing as well. I think Silverberg will definitely still be on the second line. Henrik can kind of move in and out, but I feel at least to start the season. You're going to see Carlo's going to do everything he can to do what he knows, and what he knows is what he's done the last two seasons. That's pretty ballsy for anybody to say that they're going to take Ryan Kessler, as a heart and soul guy, who's making almost $7 million a year, and try who's to pushing third. so hard to come back right now. They're going to be like, hey, man, um, we signed Henrique because we know you're not going to be able to play yeah. that well, so you're going to be playing bottom six. Good for you, I just, but I, go I can't yourself. see it. I see it being the smart move, maybe, yeah. because Henrique's It's faster. a smart one. Everyone... I just right can't see them doing that. Um, it, it's like a two B though, right? Like it's 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 not necessarily a third line because they're going to be playing very <laughs> similar minutes. You, you, no, and I, you're right because yeah. I just said at the beginning of the show they don't really have like outside the top line like lines. They kind of just roll matchups. So I can see what yeah. you're saying there for sure. But yeah, I mean if Kessler's healthy, Kessler gets that number two spot until he loses it. And, you know, yeah. so they're, they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, if he's not there to start and Henrique runs away Dude with it. Dude said he's going to drop 20 pounds to be faster. He's going to be like, screw it. I'm going to yeah. lose weight and be leaner. <laughs> yeah, and, and and he's poking Ryan Johansson with a stick. So, <laughs> he's I mean, already I mean, it's, it, seems, it seems like he wants to be ready to go. And so if he's ready to go, I feel they give him a, a very long look at, you know, staying in that second line and letting Henrique maybe be at the third line and to fill in here and there, maybe take over some of the penalty killing aspects that Kessler doesn't necessarily do. So Henrique will get a bump in minutes for sure, one way or the other, whether he gets the second line full on minutes, I feel either through injury or after the first quarter of the season, if things aren't working out with Kessler, you might see a, a, a change or power shift. Eddie, you, you could be the next John Chaka. Um, I feel like oh. your progressive thinking could put you in a GM role somewhere in the league at your age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't turn it down, man. 
for yeah. sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> and all your connections. Oh yeah, all my. No man, I mean your, your lineup. Your lineup was pretty spot on with like kind of how they should form the team, but it's, I just can't see these old dudes being like that's a great idea. Yeah, it's not I'm just that, too pessimistic it, it with sense. these old men. No, I get it. It makes sense. I like Kessler's still going to probably be asked to be the guy that's going to shut down the other team's first line, so that's going to bump his minutes up, and he's probably going to still be like the first penalty kill guy, so that's going to bump his minutes up. So if you look at the the score at the end of the night, he probably has more minutes than Henrique. I just think offensively they probably put Henrique in in more situations, uh, five on five, which kind of evens it out a bit. And let's not forget how much the Ducks value faceoffs. They mm. did sign Antoine Vermette to a contract at 90 years old because you can win a faceoff every now and again. And Kessler's yeah. really good at those. Oh, so. well, you don't shut up. I That's think what I, they did. What did I, Vermette bring to the table? Are you going to seriously well, go out and well, stick besides out and that, this guy oh, as a fourth-line fourth center? You're really upset. They signed him because he can win faceoffs in why, crucial you situations. Don't, you don't sign a guy for pretty what's pretty much an intangible. Yeah, yeah you can. And, if, and if, you, if you put they, him on a fourth line. It's not like he's sniping on the But they would the put power. him out there literally to win a face-off, and then he'd go for a line change, which would completely mess it's up garbage. the flow of play. Like, they'd be in the offensive zone with, like, 30 seconds left, and he'd be out there just to win a face-off. Then he'd go off for, like, Ricard Raquel, and I they got to wait, for, like... they gotta wait yeah. for Raquel to get on the ice for them to actually set up and make a play. So they've already wasted, like, 10 seconds waiting for Antoine Vermette to just, like, win sprint to the bench. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. How many goals did Raquel have last year? What are you talking about? Though? We're talking about Vermette. <laughs> well, I'm, know, like, I'm talking about like setting Vermette. up, like setting up in. The yeah, it's always zone. out there to do. I think yeah. he's out there for more of the defensive zone faceoffs. And he's no longer. That's what Carlin. Yeah, um, so. <laughs> well, let's keep talking about it. Go to Twitter. <laughs> we're just going to argue, and Jason's just going to drag us down to the. the pit well, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll just I'll yell at you. Guys Jared Brass, what is the likelihood that Ryan Kessler doesn't play this season? Damn, I feel like we've already talked about these questions. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, what do you think of the signings oh, on defense and the long-term contract for Gibson? <laughs> we did answer all of these things. I guess we could kind of really. maybe touch quickly on Ryan Kessler. Um, likelihood that he doesn't play, I think, is slim, um, yeah, I especially think... just because he, it's him. He's not going to let anybody tell him he can or can't play. I feel like he's just going to be like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nope, I'm fine. I dropped weight. I'm faster. I feel better than ever. And we're going to see what he has to bring to camp. Um, we'll see if Bob Murray really is that stick clear of if you're not fast, you're not playing. No. Um, but I, there's no way they're going to bring, like I just said, they're not going to let a guy who makes almost $7 million a year sit on the bench or play five minutes a night. He's he's in. He, I don't know when he's in, but he's not missing the whole season. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be tough to put someone. Like, you know, the, the only advantage the Ducks could have is possibly put him on long-term IR. If they're pretty close to the cap, then that gives them some relief to maybe bring in somebody else. But uh, the – yeah, he's it's, it's just he's a grinder and a guy that just won't quit. And so, uh, you know, when you have that kind of guy uh, you know, out there trying as hard as he can, uh, chirping, being, you know, if if he really thought he didn't have a chance to play this season, you wouldn't hear anything from him. He'd be MIA, and the fact that you know he's he's making a little bit of noise um, and around. I mean, he may not necessarily be ready to go at the beginning, but he obviously feels like. It's just a matter of time. Things got to heal. Things got to get in place. Uh, you know, and the fact he did everything he could to play last season and still, you know, for what he had to go through, produced well enough for what he had to do. Uh, you know, hopefully a little bit more of that rest will will go a long way. But I, I feel that you'll see him at some point, probably against Nashville. Yeah, I, I think I think he is is maybe close to being ready to go to start the season. 
And if not, then yeah, he, he probably comes in around November, late uh, at the end of November. But I mean, his signs look good. Like you said, he said he's shaved 20 pounds off to get faster. I mean, don't mind the fact that he probably has like plastic spoons for hip bones at this point, but uh, <laughs> I think he, he's still, he's still going to be fighting to, to kind of make a place and make an impact on this team. I don't think he's going to be the Ryan Kessler that we we're used to a couple seasons ago, but I think anything at this point is better than the way he played last year. So Chell Shock on Twitter says, what are your predictions league wide for the season? I oh, hate no. to be, a Debbie Downer, but I don't think that we're capable of answering this question just yet. I think we have uh, time. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like I could go through a lot of different scenarios there. Um, if you're listening variables. to the show and you wanted to be back at us like with a specific question, we'd be happy to answer for you. But yeah. we could spend a long time. And this could be like a Puck Guys question. I feel like we should put it on the show at some point. Because Arizona will miss the playoffs. Right. There's my league-wide predictions. Uh, Toronto wins the Stanley Cup. There's uh, my um, you went too far. Uh, <laughs> Ottawa wins the gold medal at the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on here. Scott says, if GMBM has had any indication Kessler would be out for the season, wouldn't he have made another signing at center? Shouldn't he? Or shouldn't that be an indication that Kessler will play? Uh, they did make a signing at center, and they signed Adam Henrique. Um, to a, an extension, obviously he had one more season remaining on the contract. Brian Gibbons, that was like the big thing, and they brought in some other guys like Brian Gibbons, like you said. Yeah. But they also have a prospect pool um, they can they can toy Sam with. Steel. Obviously, Sam Steele's right on the bubble of coming up, as we talked about earlier when we talked about prospects. So I don't think that they're going to go spend money on a center at all. I think they're comfortable with what they're at, and I still think Custer's going to play. Yeah, I don't think they have a whole lot of room to go sign any impactful player that's going to be a second line center and like uh, eddie said i mean if if kessler's not ready to go henrique slots in just fine on that second center so uh you you can throw in you know a, a third line center you can put in you know gibbons if you want to try and put him in a third line center um and then you know bring in sam Steele, give him a, a look at it but i think if they're trying to go younger faster they're going to probably give their prospects a little bit more of a shot this season if Kessler's not ready to go. So it's not necessarily a clear indication that because they haven't signed another center, you know, off a of free agency, that uh, Kessler's, you know, you know, a, de- a definite to show up. I still think he does show up, like we've kind of already covered. But at the same time, even if he doesn't, I feel the Ducks are willing to give their younger uh, depth pool a chance to maybe prove themselves early on. And if it's not working out, then maybe you can see another trade or something else happening. Yeah. And I think the only way they, they don't, or that they bring in another center would have been if they knew a hundred percent that Kessler wasn't going to play. Uh, I mean, even if you're 50% sure that he might come back and the other 50% is that he's going to be out for the entire season, you still don't go out and sign another center in case he is ready to go. And then you've just completely screwed yourself for the cap and, and, and trying to yeah. fit players in. So I, I don't think they they would have done that unless they knew 100% he wasn't going to play. And if he doesn't play this season, then they, they go and they promote Sam Steele or they promote Troy Terry or someone else and, and kind of fill holes that way. And at least then they haven't, you know, they didn't take the risk, but it didn't bite them if he was ready to go. So Joey G-Man says, how long of a contract <laughs> do you think things. we'll reward Silverberg and Richie with? <laughs> Uh, we talked a little bit about that. Um, Nick Ritchie, for me, mil, mil and a half, probably a two- or three-year deal at most. Um, he kind of just is in a tough spot now that Andre Kasha put up 20 goals and makes 2.6 mil per season. Silverberg's another 
type of story we talked about, but his is different only because his numbers are on the decline, and he's making a little over. Oh, he's making just under four mil, right, Eddie? Yeah, like three point seven, three point eight. Yeah, so I don't know if you can give him much more than that based on his numbers, and I see him maybe getting a two-year deal at most from Anaheim, and I don't see that deal being made till summertime if they do it at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think Silverberg can get. I think he gets like a four or five-year deal, uh, whether it be from Anaheim or from somebody else. I think that takes him to about thirty-one, thirty-two. And then I think for Richie, I mean, Richie is, is probably a one- or two-year deal. I don't really see him getting a three-year deal like Andre Kasha did. But Zilverberg is an interesting one because I don't really think it's in his best interest to take a two-year deal in case numbers start continuing to, to dive down around 30, 35 points instead of around 40, 50 that he, he's capable of getting. Because, you know, he'll look at the defense side of the game saying what well, that's what he brings. But other teams will look at the points and, and hope that he could bring that as well. So I think... At the end of this season, no matter how he does, he's going to be looking for something around $4 million for at least four or five years to kind of solidify himself and make sure he's got some income. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, and unless, uh, you know, he starts uh, going, uh, you know, hitting the numbers that he was kind of trending upwards until last season, if he's kind of hitting those numbers early on, then we might see some sort of extension. And, you know, Bummer is pretty good about getting uh, – those extensions at reasonable hometown discounts. But if uh, he's unrestricted free agent, so there's a good chance he tests that free agent mark, uh, market after this season, see what he can get. He'll be 28 at that point. Um, that's still considered reasonable enough to invest enough money in him for the next three or four seasons. And I don't think he's going to go for, you know, a small deal at that point. Uh, Richie, you know, in my opinion, uh, he's restricted. So the ducks have pretty much all the power and they might give him a one or two in uh, years and maybe one, one and a half. I think one and a half million. Is I don't see Silk getting more than like a four by three or four and a half by three. I don't see Murray committing long-term money. I don't see I don't see Murray even yeah, doing that. Yeah, I don't that. see Murray either. I think it's another team yeah. who does it. It's another team. Another I think team. he'll okay. test free agency. I was like, at most, he's going to get a two-year yeah. deal on Murray. Yeah. Um, so that is it for Twitter. Going on to Instagram, we have five more questions. So let's try to speed <laughs> so these up a little so bit. So bless you if you're still around. running a little long. <laughs> we'll get through these pretty quick. Uh, do you think Suster and Shen will get a lot of playing time, or will they go younger? That is from uh, Sire from the Shire. <laughs> another good handle there um people are uh, so there, goddamn clever <laughs> shin's gonna get the bulk of, of time from between those two i feel like um i don't think either one of them's gonna play a ton of minutes you're looking at kevin bxm and francois postman right there they're gonna slot in and out of each other i doubt they play on the same line in the same game if they do um then someone needs to go hit randy carlisle with a ball peen hammer in the head and tell him to wake up because uh, his be team is trying to get faster yeah. and younger not older and slower um, yeah, I don't think they he didn't sign him. him. Uh, yeah, clearly, <laughs> um, I didn't ever, and yeah. I would never. Um, yeah, uh, they're going to be seventh, the seventh defenseman rotating in and out with Marcus Pedersen or whatever young prospect. It's the depth. It's so, depth with depth. experience. It's not going to yeah. move the needle for the Ducks either way too much. No, uh, one of them. I think one of them probably ends up winning the position after I don't know, twenty, thirty games into the season. It is, is kind of going to be the regular at that point. I. I think it's up in the air who it could be. Suster and Shen are pretty similar players and what you're going to get from them. So I think in the end, I think maybe Shen probably edges out and, and gets a little bit more playing time than Suster does. And then, I don't know, I would hope it'd be Larson over Patterson on the left side. But uh, either or, you're going to get something good out of it and the other one goes down to the AHL. But 
Uh, as for Schuster and Shen, it's going to be similar, and then eventually one of them will just win out and, and get more playing time than the other. I just flipped a coin. It's Schuster, guys. There you have it. There we go. <laughs> Ricky Bradley says, and uh, Ricky Bradley, shout out. He's always contributing to us. Yeah, so appreciate yeah, apparently that, he's number two and three on this list. Yeah, he's got two questions. Oh. He says, what trade do you think the Ducks could do when the season starts? Um, shoot, I think that's definitely a Silverberg trade for me. Silverberg or Richie? I yeah, mean, I was gonna say Silverberg or Richie. That's 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 really it. Nobody else. This, the second part of the question is: If the Ducks trade Richie, what could they get back in return? A third round pick. Bag of bucks. Uh, no. Bag of bucks. No, he's not that bad. Come on, he's no, not. No, he's not stoner bad. bad. <laughs> it's rough and it's tough for a uh, a GM to take their first overall, you know, or their first round draft pick, and then trade it around for a third. Uh, they they may be more willing to, especially if they can sign him for a lot less money. And if maybe the only way I can see him, them signing him to two or three years is if that makes him more likely to be traded in some way. So if they can like sign him and he's got three years and he's at like 1.25 or 1.5, someone else might take a chance on him where they might need his assets as far as the physicality side of things, where maybe he slots in a little bit higher than he does in the Ducks. Uh, depth chart and then maybe they can get a second around or a different prospect that might fit the ducks a little bit better than than uh richie does at this point i don't think third round i think that's it's tough for you to go hey three years after we draft you first we're going to take a third just to get you out of here like another struggling player maybe like a jake vertanen out of vancouver or something like that it's just where like a different uh, change of scenery. Sometimes it just sparks a player into playing better. And, you know, the ducks have kind of moved away from Richie's style, a big grinder power forward. And they want to try and go younger, quicker, more, you know, offensive upside. And maybe another team's like, we got a ton of that, but we could really use a little bit more size and uh, someone who could punch people in the face a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the big intangible. There. Yes. That's what he brings to the table. Um, <laughs> uh, Mick Whittle says, where do you think the Ducks end up in the Pacific Division? That's a good question. Um, Vancouver's last, obviously. Who's better than them? Yeah. Uh, you got to say right away Vegas, just because of what Vegas did. Or are you going to say it's a one-off still? (laughs) I don't think it's a one-off, but I don't think they're necessarily better. I think the Ducks have a better goaltending. I think they have better defense, and the forwards are... pretty much even i don't think william carlson's going to be the same so you could you could maybe give the edge to the ducks and forwards because they got the star power and, and uh ryan gets i think the ducks are a better team at least on paper than than what vegas can put on the ice i put them at two i think i think they don't win the division but they, they finish behind san jose i think san jose i even think the kings are probably you know i think i think they're going to be a little bit more restock the fact that uh, 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 Brown was playing a little bit better. They added uh, Kovalchuk onto the lineup. You still got Kopitar. You got Dowdy re-signed. Quick still there. I feel like uh, the Kings are still someone that brings in there. Uh, Arizona, I feel like, is an up-and-coming team that's got a lot of potential as well. Edmonton's still in the mix. I feel they should probably rebound. They're going to need a couple people to try and do that. I think the Ducks maybe get in in third I mean, they got enough pieces, third, second. They're not winning the division. I, I think that one probably belongs to San Jose at this point. Eddie? Uh, I'm going off the board. I think uh, Calgary wins the division. I like, what, I like what they've done. I like what they have. Especially at goaltending. 
well, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Mike Smith can do enough to get them there. Um, they've With, got some young guys as well, and John Gillies and, and uh, Mike Smith Tyler Parsons What are you well. talking about? <laughs> so I, I think I think they're, they've got enough. I think they can get. I think they're the most complete team out of, out of everybody there. I like San Jose. I think the Ducks either finish second or third, switching places with San Jose. And fortunately, that means they play them in the playoffs again. And then I think it's between the Kings and uh, the Oilers, and that's pretty much it. And, and maybe Vegas, I guess. And who would finish in that fourth and, and fifth spot? But I, yeah, I, I think it's between Calgary, who would probably wins the division, and then Anaheim and San Jose are somewhere in there. I'm a little skeptical on Calgary just because Mike Smith's got a, another year under his belt. He is a little bit older, in my opinion, at this point. Still a good goalie. I like what he does. He works well with the Calgary style. But they did lose Hamilton. Doug yeah. is gone. So now that defense is a little bit more suspect. Uh, the offense could hopefully jump. I don't know. Is it? It brought is in is a really it? good you can now put You can now put Giordano and Brody back together, which worked amazing for them in the past and then you got Noah Hannafin who you can play with some guys and who says Mike Smith is going to be the starter at the end of the season they've got John Gillies and Tyler Parsons who could be guys who come in and, and end up surprising a lot of people and starting at the who? end who John, are you I'm being not familiar with the names John no, he Gillies doesn't know who they are. and Tyler doesn't know who they are. oh okay yeah, well John uh, <laughs> I thought you were okay, okay no, I can hear you <laughs> Jimmy, with the last question, Jimmy, if you hung on to the show this long, God bless you. Bless you. Uh, how do you guys feel about guys track, uh, trash talking on Twitter, et cetera, like the NBA players do? First of all, I hate the NBA. Um, <laughs> just want to throw that out there. I think their league sucks. Ooh. Anytime you can just willy-nilly just, I want to be traded here to build a powerhouse. Oh, no, I want to be traded here to build another powerhouse. And it's just that's all the leagues become about. Who the hell says willy-nilly nowadays? I do. That's, what I, that's my thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a California it's thing. You say it all the time. We all say it. I love the trash talk, though. We talked a little bit with uh, Ryan Kessler and Ryan Johansson. There's not enough of it in the league. Uh, I feel like it makes for a good story. It pumps up fans. makes rivalries better. As long as it's I funny. It more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, just say, you know, a, just a, talk hey, trash you know, back hey, and forth, uh, whatever. I saw your car. It's old. But there's so many GMs <laughs> out there that don't like that stuff. They're like, you don't say that. You don't talk like you're that. Representing yeah, this, you're representing this, 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 this is a franchise that goes back decades. Yeah, this is a 100-year-old sport. <laughs> this league's been around 100 years. Yeah. The sport longer, hundreds of years, and you're going to tarnish our game with uh, a comment like that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah not a fan of uh, NHL GMs, if you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I like it. You guys like it? I'm absolutely for it. Yeah, I, I don't care. Like I said, as long as it's funny, it's interesting, it's banter, and uh, what's cool is it's uh, the drama within the game, you know, or I guess outside of the game that gets brought back in. So it's uh, it's soap opera for men anyways. That's what sports is. So, uh, you know, love seeing you know, little storylines on the outside and people talking about it and creates a little bit more excitement and intrigue in the game. I wish it happened more and like publicly, like, <laughs> and not just calling out players, like calling out former teams and stuff like that. Um, he brought up the NBA. Uh, Isaiah Thomas was doing, I think it was like an Instagram story where he was thanking fans from previous teams, and then he got to Cleveland and he just said, "Ah, Cleveland sucked," and then he moved on. <laughs> that. So, so I, I want to see it more often in the NHL. That would be great, just seeing like a guy going through and just thanking former teams and being like get, getting to like Dallas and being like, "Ah." Yeah, Dallas was pretty shitty, and then <laughs> just move on. Uh, I don't know. I want to see it more often and more public. It, it, there's no harm in it. It's just it's a lot. It, it adds to the drama and the entertainment factor. Yeah, for sure. And it, it kind of you know it shows 
uh, the players' personalities and uh, makes them, you know, more personable. Uh, someone you can kind of relate to if you want to, or someone that's funny. Everyone kind of likes people that make them laugh. That's why I have so few friends. Uh, uh, the NHL is not about having fun, though. Yeah, yeah. So no that. fun league, you know. No fun league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the NFL. Way. No, it's the NHL too. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, no, no. I think we're all for it because uh, it just makes great things to talk about at that point. <laughs> well, everybody, that is it. That's our hour and a half podcast that, Jeez, uh, my god welcome. that ran long that was um, for free yeah for free we should have uh, been charged by the minute oh clearly be rich uh-huh uh eddie <laughs> thanks for hanging in so long man i mean i know it's 1 a.m where you're at so god bless you for that happy tomorrow uh, thank you to yeah, all the fans all the, the post game <laughs> <laughs> all the fans all the questions we appreciate all that that definitely adds the show we love talking different topics we love it and uh, we'll be back as soon as possible i'm not sure if we'll be on this show or puck guys more than likely but uh, we have some big things starting in September uh, with Puck Guys, so stay yes. tuned for that. Um, and for lots of content coming your way from both shows. But uh, if anything crazy happens to the Ducks, we'll, you'll hear from us. But if not, we'll talk to you guys soon on Puck Guys. Have a good one, guys. Bye, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.